powerful, right? Come on. Now, if you're new to New Life Church or you didn't know who was on the stage, uh, the one with the beard's my son. And I didn't mean it that way, by the way. <laughs> my son and one of our daughters, all right? And uh, Tiffany is, uh, is married to Dave. They are the campus pastors out in North Platte. So both of my kids. So I'm just telling you that was a powerful song for me from a number of different perspectives. But that's the song we're looking at today in Playlist. So if you're new here, my name's Jeff. Welcome. Glad to have you here. Welcome to North Platte. Welcome in Ogallala. Welcome online. You came in uh, week two of our teaching series playlist. We're going to actually be looking at this song, and here's the reason why. Okay? Uh, we, we believe that the Holy Spirit still speaks to people today, and that God is still putting in the hearts of modern-day psalmists God's heart through, through worship. For us to express the very character and nature of God, for us to express the truths of God. And many times in modern day churches or even in older churches from, you know, back in my grandparents' day, uh, whether you were singing a hymn or you're singing the songs we have now, many times you didn't even know that you were singing scripture. Many times you never knew that what you were singing was the truth of God. And we just believe that when we can attach anything in this life to the truth of God's word, it will cause us to be more accurate and more passionate in our pursuit after God. That's the end game with playlist. With playlist, we want to take the truth of God's word, attach it to the worship, and cause a passion to arise within us where we're confidently knowing we're seeking after the true heart of God. I believe this song we're going to look at today is going to stretch you, and it's going to take you deeper into the presence of God. I've been praying for you this week. I've been asking God to make this a landmark spiritual moment today for you, that you would look back at today and you would be able to recognize that spiritually something happened in my life today that has made me different from this day on. That's what I've been praying for you today, and I'm just asking the Lord to fulfill that prayer inside of your hearts. Now, before we tackle this song, I've got some really exciting news. Come January, January the 12th, say January 12th with me. Wow, you guys are alive here in Kearney. I hope it was that bold in Ogallala, okay? You blew me away. January 12th, we are getting ready to do something radical at New Life. Say radical. Radical. I just want to see if you're still with me. Okay, January 12th, something radical is getting ready to happen. We're getting ready to like upset the whole basket and we're changing everything, okay? Everything's changing. All of our worship times on a Sunday are changing, We're going to add an additional service. We're going to start at 8.30 in the morning here at the Kearney campus, then 10 o'clock, then 11.30, right? In North Platte, services are staying the same, so no change there. In Ogallala, we're adding an additional service, a second service that's being launched at our Ogallala campus. Your service times on January 12th are getting ready to change to 9.30 and 11 Mountain Time. So those are some radical changes that are getting ready to happen. Now, why are we making those changes? One of the reasons why we're making those changes is because after doing a lot of study on when we should launch additional services, whether it's Saturday night or it's Sunday night or it's, you know, Monday night or it's Sunday afternoon, uh, when should we launch them? We discovered in all of the data that's out there from multiple different churches and denominations across the United States that these two time slots kept coming back as being critical time slots 
that, the, that most people that are not currently connected to church would be most likely to walk through the doors and pursue a relationship with Christ, which, by the way, is our mission. Our mission at New Life Church is to see people find Jesus, okay? But it goes on beyond that. It's also to see lives changed, right? But first, let's talk about people finding Jesus. Most people who are currently outside of a relationship with God, who are considering to pursue that relationship by being connected to a local church, are most likely, statistically, across the United States, willing to attend a service that starts anywhere from 9.30 to 11.30. In that window of, of time, on a Sunday morning, 9.30 to 11.30 is statistically through the roof when most people who are far from Christ are wanting to pursue a relationship with him. That means at the Kearney campus and at all of our campuses, our service times are strategically located within that window because we want to make the most room for people. Now at the Kearney campus, we're wanting to add an additional service so we can keep making room for more people. So we moved to 8.30 to start with. I'm going to ask you, if you're part of the core of our church, okay, I want to ask you to do something with me. Move to 8.30. Or consider moving to 11.30 to make more room at that 10 o'clock service for more people who are far from Jesus to come and find a relationship with him. Therefore, we'll be fulfilling both parts of our mission. To see people find Jesus and continue to see your life changed. I want you to know that, yeah, we desperately want to help people find Jesus. But we desperately want to help you become all that God made for you to be. So this is a both and. It's not an either or. It's a both and. And we need your help to do that. Here's one of the other things. One, you might also ask, like, well, why do we need to do that? There's room around me right now, Jeff. Well, let me tell you the reason why. Here in America, in America, again, statistically proven, Americans like space. We like space. Okay? We like our houses to be separate from one another, right? We like space. And when you come to church, people like space as well. Let me give you an example of what I'm talking about. How many of you guys ever showed up to a movie? A movie theater, watching a movie, and you showed up just like a couple of moments late. Or you came in after all of the previews started rolling. How many guys would admit to the fact that you've ever shown up to a movie just a little bit late? Okay. Now, you remember, you know how a stadium seating works, right? So you're coming in the aisle, you're coming in the hallway, right? And I'm just going to say, I'm going to turn it around. You're walking down the hallway, and then you turn the corner and you look back up into the seating. You know that moment, right? Where you're standing there and the glow from the screens on everyone's face and, they, and you can see their faces and they're looking down at you. What are they thinking about you? I hope they don't come sit next to me. Someone takes their coat off, they move it over. Right? Popcorn gets spilt one direction. What are you thinking when you're down there looking up into the stands? What are you looking for? Are you looking for like two seats for you and your sweetie? Right? Just to like go and cram right into between two people? No, you're not looking for that. You're looking for what? Space. So turn to somebody, turn to three people and tell them them this. Say, Pastor Jeff's talking about space. Come on. All right, all right, all right. Three people only. I'm not talking about outer space, by the way, people. I'm talking about the bubble of space. Now, me as a pastor, I want every seat full. I want you guys packed in this church like sardines, but you don't want that. You want some space around you, and that's what they want. 
they want space when they come in as well. We're creating space. You want to be on mission with your life? You want to be on mission with what God's doing at New Life Church? Then go on mission with God at New Life Church. Consider moving to 8.30 or maybe even moving to 11.30 just to create a little more room in that 10 o'clock moment so that more people can find Jesus and have their lives changed. Now, let me just ask you the big question. Are you with me? You with me? All right. Okay. Who's against me? Okay, let's meet at the seven-minute party if you are. Okay, all right. Let's hash it out over some coffee and a scone, okay? All right, awesome. Back to the song. Back to the song. Back to the heart of what we're going after today. The theme, the theme behind the whole song boils down to really one word. As I found myself in worship with this song all week, I found myself coming back to this one word called persistence. Persistence. That attitude where you get locked on something and you're not going to give up on it and you just keep moving towards it, moving towards it, no matter what obstacles you, you come against, you just keep going after it, going after it, going after it. Nothing can slow you down. Nothing can stop you. You've got the end game in sight and you're going after something. Persistence. And every single one of you has modeled persistence in some way. But none of you have ever modeled persistence in the way that this grandmother in South Korea did when she got her driver's license. Her name is... Chan Cha Cha San Cha Sa Soon. Say that three times fast. Cha Sa Soon. All right. Cha Sa Soon. This grandmother in South Korea in, in 2010, she finally got her driver's license at the age of 69 years old. Yeah, that's pretty awesome, right? And dangerous. So. 69 years old, she finally gets her driver's license. She's working on the driver's license for four long years. You Go Google this, okay, because it's, it's out there. It's, it's, a, a, it's on record now that this woman at 69 years old finally got her driver's license. This is how many times it took her to get her driver's license. She took the written test 900, yes, 949 times. She finally passed it. She got it 949 times, and she got the paper. Now she has to pass the driving part. And to all of your surprise, she didn't pass it on the first time. It took her a few more times. She finally got her driver's license after 959 times. On the 960th time of going after a driver's license, she finally got her driver's license. Is that amazing or what? Every time she took the test, it cost her five bucks. Do the math. How valuable was it, right? Super, super valuable. When she finally passes it, this is a little celebrity moment was taking place that Kia, the car dealership, the car dealer, they actually gave her a brand new Kia Soul. Yeah. Pretty cool, huh? And dangerous. That is a weapon right now. See, when she passed her driver's test, she passed it, listen, with getting 60 out of 100 questions right. That was the bare minimum. So 949, bam, just crosses over the threshold, right? Do you know why she wanted the car? She wanted the car because she sells vegetables. It would make it easier for her to get her vegetables to market. And she wanted the car because she said she wanted to be able to take her grandchildren to the zoo. As her son 
Not sure you're taking the grandkids to the zoo, but <laughs> you get it though, right? Persistence. Just as soon, kind of persistence, where she got locked in on this thing for four years going after this driver's license. You know what's so, this is what's like convicting, is I'm wondering to myself, do we have that type of persistence in our hunger and our pursuit after God? Now, let me flip it. What would it look like in our lives if we had that type of persistence? If we had a little bit of that Chassassoon persistence, right? What if we had some of that and that hunger and that desire just to know God and we weren't going to give up and nothing was going to stop us and it didn't matter how crazy it seemed? You know how many people probably told her to stop? You know how many times in her own mind she probably thought, I should probably stop this pursuit. This is ludicrous. But she never gave up. And guys, I'm telling you today, the heart of this song is, is calling you to never give up, but just to keep pressing into God and grab a hold of God because God's got something that's going to radically transform your life. That's what you find at the heart of this song. Listen to the, the chorus that we're going to be singing together. Not enough unless you come. Will you meet me here? What? Again. Because all I want is all you are. Will you meet me here? What? You can hear the heart of the psalmist calling out to God, going, God, meet me here again. Meet me here again. God, show up today in this prayer time. Show up today in this worship time. Show up today as I read your word. Right? Let this show up again, God. Meet me here again. There's a reason behind that, and that's because persistence moves the heart of God. Let me show you a reason. Let me show you some evidence of what I mean by persistence. It actually moves the heart of God. Moses, a great leader in the Old Testament, is leading the Israelites out of Egypt through the desert, but he's leading them with a purpose to get to the promised land that God had given them, an actual piece of land um, where God said, look, this is where I want my people to be. And so Moses is given that assignment, and he's leading them. Along the way, God brings them to Mount Sinai, where God calls Moses up onto the mountain, and God's going to give Moses some instructions, and that's where Moses gets the Ten Commandments. And while God is giving Moses the Ten Commandments for a whole 40 days, by the way, Moses is up on the mountain. The people, after, 40, after these 40 days, have lost sight of who God is, that God's brought them out of Egypt. They're wondering to themselves, Moses must be dead on top of this mountain someplace, Right, And so their persistence weans after 40 days. Not four years of pursuing a driver's license, but 40 days, and they're like, well, God must have given up on us. So they take all of their gold, and they, they melt it down, and they make a calf out of gold, and they start worshiping the calf. God says to Moses, Moses, you better get back down there. The people have gone basically crazy. You know, you, you got you to step in and bring some leadership because this is what offends me about these people. And he brings correction to them right on the spot. And then God tells the people this, after they've sinned, and God's been leading them with a cloud by day and a fire in the cloud by night, God says to them about the promised land these words. Take a listen. Exodus 33, 1 through 3. The Lord said to Moses, get going, you and the people that you brought up out of the land of Egypt. Go up to the land that I I swore to give to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. I told them, right, listen to how God's reinforcing his promise. I told them, I'll give them this land to your descendants, and I will send an angel before you to drive out the Canaanites, Amorites, Hittites, Perizzites, Hivites, and the Jebusites. 
Go up to this land that flows with milk and honey, but watch this, but I will not travel among you. You've been accustomed to me traveling with you. My presence has been with you, but my presence is no longer going to travel with you, for you are stubborn and a rebellious people. If I did travel with you, if my presence stayed with you, I would surely destroy you along the way, because you are stubborn and you're rebellious and you're full of sin. Now notice what God said here to these people. God is the God of his promise. So he says to them, look, I, I'm promising you this land. I'm still giving you the land. But here's the caveat. I'm not going to be close to you. My presence isn't going to go with you. I'm sending an angel to go with you. You know what God's doing here? God's testing the people. And God tests you and me in this very same way, often. He's testing the people to find out what they're What's really in their heart? Do they just want what God's hands can provide? Do they just want the blessing of God, basically? Right? Or do they truly want God? Do they truly want his presence? Which one are they going to be persistent about? They're going to be persistent about just wanting the continued blessing of God no matter how they act? Or do they truly want to know the heart of God and be close to him, have a personal relationship with him, be, be his people and he be their God? Which one is it? God's testing them this way. Have you guys ever felt, have you ever had a relationship where you felt like someone was taking advantage of you and they were just using you for something that you had? Maybe they were using you for a resource that you had. Maybe they were using you for the money that you had. Maybe they were using you to get to someone else. Maybe they were using you sexually. You ever found out in a relationship where all of a sudden you got to a point where you realized the person didn't just want me and want to be with me, but they wanted to use me for something I could give them? And then how did it make you feel? Not very good, right? God's testing his people to see where are they at. He's purifying them with this challenge. I want you to look at how the people responded when they heard this devastating news. Continuing on in chapter 33, verse 4, that when the people heard these stern words, they went into mourning, they stopped wearing their jewelry and their fine clothing. The reason why they did that is because God told them to do it. The people now all of a sudden are going, whoa, ha, time out. Our, our sin has consequences. Our sin is, is driving us away from the very presence of God. We want the presence of God. And so what they do is they come back to a heart of repentance and they persistently repent before God. And this is done day after day after day. We, don't, we are not even given the time period of how long the people are in mourning, getting back to the basics. You know, I, I think the idea of stripping off the jewelry and taking off the fine linens was this. Look, it's not about us anymore. It's not what we can do, right? We're not, in, we're not asking God to come and, and, you know, be with us. We're asking, can we be with you, God? And so they're humbling themselves, and they're going into this attitude of repentance. At the very same time, Moses, he goes and he sets up a tent to meet with God outside of the grouping of all of the Israelites that are camped now in the desert. He takes a tent outside of them, and he says to them, I'm going to go to this tent and I'm going to pray and I'm going to seek God. I'm seeking God on my behalf. I'm seeking God on your behalf. I'm seeking to know the heart of God. And when, the, when Moses went to this tent, so that the cloud of God's glory would fall upon it, and all the people in their individual tents, they would all bow down and they would start worshiping. 
So as Moses worshipped, the people, the people worshipped. And the people were seeking God in prayer and in worship on a persistent basis, day after day after day, repenting, praying, worshipping, repenting, praying, worshipping. They were pressing in to the very heart of God. And after a number of days, I want you to listen to what Moses finally prays to God. Verse 12. <clears throat> One day, Moses said to the Lord, Lord, you've been telling me, take these people up to the promised land, but you haven't told me whom you will send with me. Now hold on, time out. We actually just read what God said a minute ago. God said he was going to send someone with them. Who was he going to send with them? Angel. So is it that Moses doesn't remember? I don't think that's the case. I think the case is, there's something in Moses' persistent heart that goes, an angel's not going to be good enough. It's just not going to be good enough, God. So here's how God responds back to him. In verse 14, the Lord replied, okay, listen, I will personally go with you. See, I think that's what Moses was looking for. But this persistence inside of Moses' heart doesn't end there. So Moses turns right back around after God makes this promise, and Moses says to him, well, God, look, if you don't personally go with us, then don't make us even leave this place. That's not a demand that Moses is putting on God. That's a persistent heart that's crying out to God. Now, you would think that maybe God at this moment is going, hey, what didn't you get about my message about the angel? And then what didn't you get about my message? I just told you I will go with you. Why are you questioning this? But that's not the way God responds. The way God responds is the kind of heart that you would find when you, see, when you see this persistence of repentance and worship and glory and honor to God, it moves the heart of God. And this is how God responds to him. The Lord replied to Moses, I will indeed do what you have asked. For I look favorably on you, Moses, and I know you by name. Guys, that's, that's the kind of heart that moves God. You want to move the heart of God? A persistent passion, passionate pursuit after him. That's what moves the heart of God. So look, let's be close to God like Moses was close to God. And to do that, then be persistent in your repentance. That's going back to the, going back to the chorus of the song. Being persistent in your repentance. The song says this, I'm not enough unless you come. When we say those words, I'm not enough, it's a heart of repentance before God. Let's be persistent in that. That moves the heart of God. Be persistent in prayer and worship like the people meeting in their tents and worshiping God day after day after day. And like the song says in the chorus, you know, will you meet me here again? Will you meet me here again? I, I would ask you right now, do you want to meet with God again today here at New Life Church? Then I would ask you from the depths of your heart, would you scream out to God, will you meet me here again, God? I'm not enough unless you come, Lord. Would you meet me here again? You want to be close to God? It, it comes in the persistent heart of wanting to please God. Like the chorus says, all I want is all that you are. I'm not asking you to adapt to me. I need to adapt to you. And then finally, be persistent in seeking God through his word. And that chorus ends with that final line, one more time repeated, will you meet me here again? Meet me here again. So persistence in and repentance, and prayer, and worship, and, and pleasing God, a desire to please Him, and persistence, you know, in God's Word, guys, is what moves the heart of God, and you find yourself closer to God than you ever thought. And this is what, this is why Jesus said these words in Matthew, seek 
the kingdom of God above all. Seek. Be persistent. Get it in. Get it lasered in. Get it as your main focus and seek the kingdom of God above everything else. Be persistent about it and don't let anything else derail you. I want to tell you that there's some great rewards for seeking God. There's some great reasons why you should persistently seek the heart of God and to be close to him. Let me tell you the first one. That's because God's closer to you than you think. God's closer to you than you think. Some of you think that God's far off and that, you know, he's not really active anymore in, in your life or even in this world. And I just want to I just want to debunk that. And I want to tell you that God's closer to you than you think. And God's looking for a hungry heart to show himself. God's waiting for someone who persistently will seek him to reveal himself. Just like the people of the Israelites in the desert, they they needed God to reveal himself to them. And so they persistently sought after him. This is what verse 1 kind of alludes to when it says, you know, can't go back to the beginning. I can't control what tomorrow will, will bring. But I know here in the middle is the place where your promise will be. Look, I, I can't go back. I can't change yesterday. And I definitely can't control what tomorrow is going to do. But I know this, right here, right now, in this very place, today, today, that if I seek with persistence a closest with God, I'm going to find him. That's what God says. That when we seek him, we find him. That when you're hungry for him, you are fed. That when you're thirsty for him, he quenches the thirst. God's closer than you think, and nothing can separate you from the love of God. That's what Romans tells us. Look at Romans 8. And I'm convinced that nothing can separate us from God's love. Neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither our fears for today nor our worries about tomorrow, not even the powers of hell can separate you and me from God's love. That's good news. No power in the sky above or in the earth below. Indeed, nothing in all creation will ever be able to separate us from the love of God that is revealed in Christ Jesus our Lord. So why passionately pursue God with persistence? Because, guys, God's closer than you think. But secondly, God wants to use you more than you think. Not only is God closer to you than you think, he's got a purpose for it. He wants to use you more than you can ever dream or imagine. Listen to what verse 2 of the song says. It says, as I walk now through the valley, let your love rise above every fear, Lord. Like the sun shaping the shadow. Look at this. Watch this. In my weakness, your glory appears. In my weakness, you do things through me that I could never think, dream, and or imagine. See, church, here's the truth. It's in the areas where you've surrendered your life to Christ that Jesus can shine the brightest. And it's when you and me admit that we're weak incapable that we add up to nothing without god that that's when god has its greatest ability to use us in our weakness in our humility when we humble ourselves when we admit we're not all of that we're not as big as we think we are when we're able to humble ourselves and say god the only way i can move forward the only way my capacity can increase the only way god i can tackle more is by humbling myself and saying, God, unless you go before me, nothing can happen. Nothing good can take place. And this is exactly what the Apostle Paul heard God speaking to him over and over, more than once. Listen to what he says, 2 Corinthians 12. Apostle Paul says this, each time he, I'm just going to insert what he means, each time God said, 
Each time, meaning more than once, each time God said these words to me. My grace is all that you need, Paul. My power works best in what? God wants to do things in you and through you more than you could ever dream, imagine, or think. And so that's why Paul says, so now I'm glad to boast about my weaknesses so that the power of Christ can be seen through me, can work through me, can be felt through me, can impact the world through me. There's great reasons why you and me should passionately pursue God's heart with persistence. Some chassassoon persistence. You're going you're to be saying that at lunch today. Or you're going to try to say it. Let me put it that way. I want to conclude, though, today. Take you back to the bridge of the song. It says these, see these words. Listen to this. Not for a minute was I forsaken. Say this word. Say this sentence with me. The Lord is in this place. Let me read these two lines, and you say the third one with me. Come, Holy Spirit, dry bones awaken. The Lord is in this place. You can passionately pursue the heart of God with persistence because not for a minute was any one of you ever forsaken by God. You might have felt distance from God because of your sin, but you've never been forsaken by God. God is wanting to reveal himself to you today. Persistently press into the presence of God today. Not for a minute has he ever forsaken you. Today, if you feel spiritually dry, if you feel like, man, it's just like God's, I just don't even know where he's at. I just feel so dry, man. It's just like I need refreshed in my spiritual journey. Then persistently pursue a passionate heart of God because when the Holy Spirit comes, your dry bones come alive. And there's a reason for it all. And the reason is this, because the Lord's in this place. I know, it sounds flippant, it sounds like cliche-ish, but it's profound. The Lord is actually in this place. He's here in Kearney, he's gathered in North Platte, he's with us in Ogallala, he'll meet you in your home right now. The Lord is in this place. He's everywhere at all times, he's here in this place, and for one, one reason, and for one reason only that I'm aware of is this, because we're two or, two or more gathered in his name, in the name of Jesus, he is here. And we have gathered in the name of Jesus today. I'm telling you, the Lord's in this place. Passionately pursue him with persistence in your heart, and you're going to grab a hold of everything he's got for you. However, let me also add this. The Lord is also in this place for all of you who have surrendered your life to him and call him leader and Lord. How can dry bones be awakened? Because he's in this place. So if you don't have Christ as your Lord and your leader and you haven't invited him into your heart to lead you and guide you from this moment on, your very first step today is surrender your life to Jesus Christ and, and let him invade this place. If he invades this place, then you've got the right leader. And he'll lead you into all truth. He'll lead you into persistent repentance, prayer, worship, and a heart after him. He'll lead you to unveil his, his desires for you in greater and greater ways. God is for you, church. He is not against you. You persistently seek after him today. It doesn't end at a dead-end road. It ends in the passionate love of God thriving and alive.
Let's all seek God in that way as we sing this song, our key song today, right? And let's seek after the heart of God together. Why don't you stand with me and let's pray. Lord, we come to you. We come to you confidently in Jesus' name. Prayer after prayer, we come to you in Jesus' name. Persistently, we come in Jesus' name, knowing that, Lord, Jesus is the gate. He's the way, he's the truth, and he's the life, and no one, no one comes to you, Father, except through him. Holy Spirit, we invite you to invade this place. Have your way in this church. Do what you want to do in our hearts. I pray in, in, in just a, a supernatural way that the, the power and the presence, Lord, of Jesus Christ would be unveiled in this house today. That the manifest presence of God would be felt in this place. That people would know without a shadow of a doubt that they've met with you today. Let today be a spiritual landmark moment where people look back on this moment and they say, I met with God that day. God felt so distant up to that moment, but I met with him that day. So dry spiritually, but God revived me that day. Lord, as we seek after you with all of our heart, your word promises that we'll find you. So church, I encourage you to seek after God with all of your heart so we might find the living presence of God and be transformed by him. In Jesus' name, amen.